So we have finally uh, reached uh, the <coughs> the start of approaching the Dharma. Yeah. Uh, previously, we went through the introduction. So now we are at page 88. Is the recording going? Okay. Okay. So um, approaching the Dharma. Not a secret doctrine. These three things, monks, are conducted in secret, not openly. What three? Affairs with women, the mantras of the Brahmins, and wrong view. But these three things, monks, shine openly, not in secret. What three? The moon, the sun, and the Dharma and discipline proclaimed by the Tathagata. The Tathagata here refers to the Buddha. Yeah, this is one of the epithets. The, the well-come one or well-gone one. Uh, if you want to do recording, as mentioned before, just bring it over. Yeah, Don't record in secrecy. Huh? So, this is from Anguttara Nikaya, Book 3, uh, verse 129. Yeah. So <clears throat> the the first part of it uh, is about um, worldly or uh, the first one is worldly. Uh, the second one and the third one is a bit into the religion. Yeah, but no, notice here there's mentioned about mantras, mantras of the Brahmins. Yeah, so for the Brahmins they do uh, recitation of the Vedas. Yeah, so. Uh, even today, when we consider certain religious groups, there are certain religious groups that claim that certain part of the teaching has to be uh, kept a secret. Yeah. Uh, the other day, I had a conversation with uh, someone. Uh, it's about Yiguan Tao. Yeah. Mm. So, quite interesting because I have heard from so many students who were ex-Ikwantao members and all of them attest to that they are given uh, the culture and they are supposed to keep it a secret. Yeah. In fact, under oath and that if they should disclose it, then horrific things will happen to them. Uh, so, but that day, according to one of, that, one of the members, uh, I mean one of the students, she says that uh, no, that is not true. So I was left a bit confused. Yeah. Uh, in any case, there are other other groups, uh, whether it's religious groups or certain um, certain societies where certain information are kept secret. So, um, in contrast, yeah. Okay, then the last one is wrong view. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, when wrong views are being shared, then according to the Buddha, it's shared in secrecy and not openly. There, but uh, three things in contrast are not in secret. The moon and the sun are external things. Yeah, uh, When they shine, they don't have to hide it. Uh. 
Then the last one, Dharma and Discipline, proclaimed by the Tathagata. Um, so, this term, Dharma and Discipline, is the term that the Buddha used to refer to his teaching. Yeah. In the Buddha's time, there was no such a phrase called Buddhism. Yeah. Uh, the teachings that the Buddha gave, he referred to it as Dharma and Discipline. So, um, fast forward to today's phrasing, uh, the closest I can think of is what we call uh, principles and practices. Yeah. So, the, whatever the Buddha taught can be summarized into these two categories, yeah, the principles of the teachings, uh, which points to the truth, yeah, points to um, the, the, the way things are, ultimate reality, and so on. Um, and then discipline here refers to the whole set of practices, but mainly focus on the on the uh, the training rules itself. Yeah. Uh, so dharma would also include the different practices in a way. Uh, so in some in some sharing, I would use the term uh, for modern use: principles and practices. Uh, so, um, the Dharma being positioned in this way, yeah, this is not something that is, this is not a modern thing, this is what the Buddha uh, said about his teaching in the past, that there's no secret doctrine. Yeah. Uh, so, this should give us a bit of a, like a clue, our approach towards the, the, the Dharma. Yeah. Um, just as the Buddha, when he teach, he teach it openly. Uh, he don't. So here, when we talk about it being not a secret doctrine, there's a few levels. One is that um, he don't he don't have to uh, deny it after teaching it. He teach it openly, and even if someone hear it later and confront him and ask him, he he don't have to. Deny it and say, "Oh, I didn't say that." Whatever he said, he is ready to stand by it. Um, <clears throat> and then, on top of that, there's also the the element about how he teach with open fists. Yeah, he don't hide things. So in Chinese culture, we have this Liu Pan Pu, yeah, where the teacher or the master would teach ninety percent, left ten percent. Uh, we see, in the past, I, we have watched in many of those martial art movies, uh, the, the disciple one day tried to defeat the, the master. Then, fight, 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 suddenly, eh? one more step come up. <laughs> yeah, then the old master then have a last laugh. <laughs> yeah? uh, you think you know so much. Huh? Uh, that's why I never teach you the last part. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, we we watched it all in the past, right? So, um, for the Buddha, he has no such worries. Yeah, yeah, he teach openly. He teach everything that can be taught, uh, that has to be taught. Mm. So that so this not a secret doctrine has this implication as well. So next, no dogmas or blind belief. Thus, have I heard. 
On one occasion, the Blessed One was wandering on tour together with a large Sangha of monks when he arrived at a town of the Kalamas named Kesaputta. So this is a sutta on uh, the Kalamas. Yeah? It's a very famous sutta uh, known as the Kalama Sutta and it's often highlighted and, uh, as, and, and quoted as a um, as an example of how uh, we do not have to believe in anything, yeah, that we don't, we we can uh, and should question everything. Uh, but if we, as we look at this sutta, <clears throat> you realize that the Buddha didn't just simply tell the kalamas that oh they should just question everything, but they, he he suggested to them. Uh, or rather, he guided them to consider the different approaches yeah, and how they can arrive at their own understanding and conclusion and deem whether a certain teaching is suitable to be followed or not. Yeah. So, um, not, as, uh, not the way it's usually quoted. And in fact, later I will highlight to you the part that is what is usually quoted. Now the Kalamas of Kesaputta heard. It is said that the ascetic Gotama, the second son who went forth from a second family, has arrived at Kesaputta. Now, a good report about that master Gotama has been circulating thus. That Blessed One is an Arahant, perfectly enlightened, accomplished in true knowledge and conduct, fortunate, knower of the world unsurpassed leader of persons to be tamed, teacher of devas and humans, the enlightened one, the blessed one. <laughs> Having realized with his own direct knowledge, this world with its devas, Mara and Brahma, this population with its ascetics and Brahmins, with its devas and humans, he makes it known to others. He teaches a dharma that is good in the beginning, good in the middle, and good in the end. With the right meaning and expression, he reveals a spiritual life that is perfectly complete and purified. Now, it is good to see such arahants. So, um, the, the part where the, the Kalamas uh, is said to have heard, yeah, it is said that the ascetic Gotama, this part, um, I have in many occasions shared about how uh, in the Buddha's time, he is not si someone who is simply seen as, oh, this is the Buddha. Yeah? But rather, people hear that, ah, there's someone who actually left the family life, and he is from the second family. Yeah? And then this person is reputed. Yeah? Uh, what does it say? Uh, now a good report about that Master Gotama has been circulating thus. Yeah, this is what they would share with one another. That hey, recently there's this uh, this monk from this so and so family who, who is now in town. You know, ah, and you know what is heard about this person? Ah, he is that blessed one is an arahant, perfectly enlightened, and so and so forth. Yeah, so it is not a given fact, but rather they will just share with one another. Ah, it is heard that he's like that. 
So this is very interesting because it means that in the Buddha's time, people don't simply say because of Buddha, ma, so they must accept it. But rather, they, they merely heard the report and then they would go and, like what people nowadays do, uh, go and look, see. Yeah? Or sometimes they just go and ask questions. In the case of this sutta, they go and consult him and to see, okay, he's, he has such a reputation. What, what can he tell us about our predicament? In other cases, it's a bit more uh, aggressive. Yeah? In some cases, there will be some uh, religious teacher who would send their chief disciple to go and challenge the Buddha. Yeah. So we see a whole variety of different approaches, different intent in going to see the Buddha. Yeah. Now, this part here, that blessed one is an arahant, perfectly enlightened, and so on. Um, the gist of it is then uh, formalized into what we today in Theravadan uh, society, uh, Buddhist society, recite as so Bhagavan Arahan Samasambuddho Vijacharana Sampano Sugato Lokavido Anutaro Purisa Dhammasarati Satta Deva Manusanam Buddho Bhagavati now, This is the epithets of the Buddha. There are many others actually. Uh, but this is a very common set, and so it became formalized, and today it is recited in praise of the Buddha. Yeah. So in the Buddha's time, this this verse uh, is not sung this way. It is said this way that uh, he is said to be, yeah, uh, and so on. So um, he teaches a Dharma that is good in the beginning, good in the middle, and good in the end. Yeah, that it is flawless in other words. When you first hear it, you, it helps you to be happy. But as you practice, you, it also brings you benefit. And then, uh, right up to the end, if you can cultivate all the way to the end, it brings you to the complete cessation of suffering. Yeah. Uh, if you consider, if you buy a car, initially happy, then later, not so happy, and then in the end, have to have to scrap the car, uh, in the end, totally not happy. Oh, very happy, <laughs> in the end, scrap the car. <laughs> no more burden. <laughs> Different kind of happiness. Uh. Happiness of being relieved of the car. <laughs> no? Huh? Yeah, then find another car. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Andrew, could you read the next paragraph? Uh, then the Kalamas of Kesaputta uh, approached the Blessed One. Some pay homage to him and sat down to one side. Some exchanged greeting with him. And after their greeting and cordial, cordial, talk, uh, cordial talk, sat down to one side. Some salute him river reverentially. reverentially and sat down to one side. Some remained silent and sat down to one side. Then the Kalamas said to the blessed, 
the blessed one. Ah, that's all. Thank you. So you notice this is what I've also shared in other classes about how uh, just as today it becomes a bit more formalized and we usually start a service or a class uh, by uh, paying homage to the Buddha, uh, paying respect and then reciting certain verses. But in the Buddha's time, when people come to see the Buddha, they don't always accord him with the same uh, the kind of, oh, all grouped together, then someone announced Lifo uh, Sampai. No, not in the Buddha's time. Yeah, In the Buddha's time, each of them would come and then pay homage to him or like greet him uh, and in different ways. Yeah, So it's a very uh, organic, very uh, non-contrived uh, approach. Yeah, As you would, let's say, uh, meet, a, meet someone whom you... Uh, uh, meeting for the first time. Yeah. Uh, would you like to finish the next paragraph? Venerable uh, Sir, some aesthetics and Brahmins who come to Kesaputta explain and elucidate their own doctrine but disparage, debunk, reveal and vilify. The doctrine of others, and then some other aesthetics and Brahmin come to Kesaputta, and they too explain and elucidate their own doctrine, but disparage, debunk, reveal, vilify the doctrine of the others. For us, venerable sir, there is a pers perspective. Per Perplexity. Per Sorry, and doubt as to which of these good aesthetics speak true and which speak falsehood. Mm, thank you. Good. Uh, sorry, just to double check. Is it loud enough? Very clear. Okay, good. Uh, don't have to pull the cable, pull, I pull here. Okay, so this is the this is the opening where the Kalamas have come to see the Buddha. And then if you read what uh, they describe to the Buddha, you'll find that what they describe, it seems quite familiar. Huh? <laughs> because 2,500-600 years later, uh, to this day and age, it, this, is still, this is what is still happening. Yeah? Uh, throughout the world, different groups of uh, religious people may sometimes yeah, uh, attack each other's teachings. Yeah? So here, there's a whole list of uh, description. So when they come to Kasaputta, that means these aesthetics don't just stay in one place or so. They would move from places to places. Uh, and of course, in this case, they move in order to spread their teachings. So they would explain and elucidate their own doctrines. Yeah. So explain and then elucidate. Elucidate is to um, further clarify. Yeah. To make it known. Yeah. The 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 final details. Yeah. But they don't just do that. They on top of that they do something else. But disparage, debunk, revile, and vilify the doctrines of others. Disparage means to put down. Yeah, uh, they don't just 
uh, teach their own, but they put down other teachings. Yeah, they say, oh, our teachings is, is like this, like this, like this. Oh, but the other group, uh, that one is not so good. Huh. This is what they will do. Debunk. Uh, oh, another religion say this. Let me prove them wrong. Yeah. So this is called debunking. Yeah, revow to say to 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 say how it is bad, and then vilify to in a way twist it uh, and and make it uh, bring about as though there's something bad about it. Yeah. Uh, so in all these ways is to say negative things. Yeah. You would think that this is what politicians do. Uh, sounds like yeah, during the uh, in all countries, uh, not in any particular country, uh, mind you, for record, uh, uh, in any country, whenever there is election, then you find that the different political parties, what do they do? Uh, they do this. They would explain and elucidate their own political stand, and then, but not just that, but disparage, debunk, revile, and vilify the stand of others. Mm. So it seems like we humans always like to do this. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, human beings are like that. So, um, so for the case of Buddha, they are they position this to the Buddha and then uh, ask for uh, the Buddha's explain uh, like like uh, his thoughts. Like they feel very perplexed. That means like ah yeah, unsure what to make out of this. Yeah, uh, and then have doubt. Yeah, as to, okay, everybody say that death is true, others is wrong, but you cannot have everybody being correct. Yeah, so who is correct? Oh. Uh, Poland? If uh, it is big thing for you to be perplexed, or oh, Kalamat is fitting for you to be in doubt. Doubt has arisen in you about a perplexing matter. Some kalamas do not go by oral tradition, by lineage of teaching, by hearsay, by a collection of texts, by logic, by inferential reasoning, by reason conjugation, by the acceptance of a view after pondering it, by the swimming competence of the speaker or because you think the aesthetic is our teacher. But when you know for yourself these things are unwholesome, these things are blameable, these things are censured by the wise, these things, if undertaken and practice, lead to harm and suffering, then you should abandon them. Thank you. Good. So, uh, when the Buddha is asked this question, um, he his reply is probably quite uh, quite a surprise for many people. Yeah. In fact, um, I have heard that the like this sutta itself is very interesting because for a religious uh, for a religion to for the religious teacher to make such a statement that uh, that seemed to uh, also open himself up for for that kind of um, critical analysis, 
Yeah, he don't say, oh, you should go and question them, but don't question me. Uh, he don't say that. Yeah, the Buddha don't say such a thing. It is fitting for you to be perplexed, O Kalamas. Yeah? Uh, the O here is like an honorific, like addressing them in a very respectful way. It is fitting for you to be in doubt. Uh, when you all read this, I don't know whether you all uh, find it interesting. Yeah. Uh, why Sifu always, when people have question and doubt, I always say, oh, it's okay. Yeah, if, if you don't have doubt, you are either enlightened or you are deluded, you are blind faith. <laughs> you are having blind faith. Yeah. Uh, in Buddhist tradition, we often say, oh, oh, we sometimes hear people say like, oh, you cannot question or doubt. But actually this is totally um, against the spirit of Buddhism. Yeah? Uh, by Almost by definition. To become enlightened, um, you need to question it and examine it. And it's only through that process when you have verified the truth, the teachings to be in line with the truth, then are you uh, certain. Yeah? So here, Doubt has arisen in you about perplexing matter. Come, Kalamas. Then this is the start of his uh, advice for them. Yeah. So if you count, it goes by, do not go by oral tradition. That's number one. By lineage of teaching, number two. By hearsay, three. By a collection of texts, four. By logic, five. By re inferential reasoning, six. By reasoned cognitive cogitation, seven, by the acceptance of a view after pondering it, eight, by the seeming competence of a speaker, nine, yeah, uh, and because, or because you think the ascetic is our teacher, ten, yeah, let me come again, uh, double check, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, do you all count 10? Yes. Okay, uh, okay, confirm. Yeah, so these are the, the list of... Uh, you can see that in the Buddha's time, this is a common way whereby people decide whether to accept something or not. Yeah, And if you look at through the list, hey, even until today, we sometimes accept something to be uh, true simply because... Uh, of this. Now today we may not have so much of a <clears throat> uh, we don't put so much emphasis on what we call a, an oral tradition. But in the Buddha's time, the Brahmins, yeah, and even the ascetics, they their focus on oral tradition is very great. Yeah. Uh, what does it mean by oral tradition? It means that whatever you learn is taught through, you know, means you hear directly from your teacher. And your teacher hear directly from his teacher. Yeah. Through this oral tradition. Yeah. Uh, today, if you just hear someone say something, uh, it depends on your age. For those who are in their 20s, uh, if they hear someone say something, it depends if whether that person is his friend or her friend. But if the person see on the internet, oh, quite confirmed it's true. Yeah? 
last time there's no internet. So last time, what happened? If we see it on a TV and it's on the TV, should be correct. Yeah, why? No, if it's not true, you think that our country government will let them be, you know, play it on the TV? Yeah, so we, from there we establish certain trust. Yeah. Uh, but of course, today we know that <laughs> how true it can be uh, is questionable. Then, prior to that, is a newspaper. Yeah, newspaper. As long as it appears in the newspaper, cannot be too wrong also. Yeah. Uh, but again, we know that that can actually be manipulated. Yeah. And then prior to that, there is the there are books. So uh, the transfer of knowledge or the theory of knowledge, how knowledge is being transferred and trusted, yeah, has changed over the centuries. Yeah. Two thousand over years ago. In China, uh, I think it's pretty much the same, yeah, or at least before the invention of writing, yeah. Well, so, word of mouth is the only way to learn something, yeah. So, oral tradition is valued. Then, by lineage of teaching, so not just hear from anybody, but that this is taught for seven generations. It's taught for so, yeah. This is by this particular lineage, so it should be correct. Then, so you can see how it, it changes in terms of the context. Huh? The third one, by hearsay. Just because you hear, then you believe. Yeah. In Singapore, we call it, they say one. Oh. <laughs> 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 Some yeah, my first encounter with this hearsay, or oh, is in secondary school. Yeah, I was uh, in scouts, and oftentimes, for some strange reason, if you imagine that scouts, ECA, very simple, all all boys, you know, set one to set four, but yet sometimes simple information that's to be passed down, wow! By the time you reach the set one, uh, all over the place, and each patrol may hear a different version. So our patrol, our scout leader is very interesting, uh, and I learned this from him. So sometimes we have meeting, and then he will question certain things, and then they will say, "Oh, he he will ask like, where do you hear this from? Oh, they say one, and his very famous reply is, who is the day? <laughs> and all this year since secondary school. I hear people say they say one, yeah, and some other people will say who is the day, and sometimes I will ask who is the day, and more often than not, nobody can tell who is the day. <laughs> yeah, so this, what does it? Who? Fusion. <laughs> Everything and anything, radiation. 
So, uh, so the fact that you all can laugh means you all are old enough. <laughs> I, I told someone who is in their 20s about red diffusion, that person, <laughs> then I, told, I, I said, last time we have the red diffusion, then, <laughs> remember the, the program? Yeah, the young people never hear that before. <laughs> My father told me. Anyway, come back. Huh? So, uh, hearsay. Then, of course, for us, we may think that hearsay, who would believe? But actually, we today, today, what is the modern hearsay? Facebook posting. Facebook posting. And many times I observe people just share because they look at the, the caption, they look at the photo, okay, just share. They never really read what is inside. So there was someone who actually wrote a fake article for that purpose. And then in the article, it was actually a totally different thing. But he clarified and he said that if you click, if you share this or click in, yeah, thinking that this article is about the title, you are wrong. <laughs> but the problem is, how many people actually read beyond that? Yes, most people don't nowadays. Yeah. Uh, the other form is when on Facebook you have a photo and then a very nice photo and then or maybe a photo of the Buddha and then oh, uh, and then they put it as a quote. They put open, open inverted comma, close inverted comma, or then people believe. Okay. Just say one. Yeah. So this is actually hearsay, not reliable. By a collection of texts. If you if you hear someone say something, maybe you may feel that the the confidence level is not so high. Yeah. But now the person refer to a set of texts. Wow. Book one, book two, book three, book four, book five. Wow. Feels like she's quite reliable. Yeah. Uh, in the case of the Buddha's time, probably not books, uh, uh, but he, the, if the person say, well, I'm now going to teach you according to this particular set of teachings, and then there's a set, how many parts are there, and so on, so, then it feels like it's very structured, yeah, very legitimate. Yeah. So here it says, even if it's uh, a very structured set of teachings, a collection of texts, you cannot simply because it seems authentic, then it, you just follow it. So, uh, the first one, two, three, four is about the sources, yeah, yeah, the source, the different kind of sources of information. Then the next few, logic, inferential reasoning by reasoned co cogitation, yeah, and acceptance of a of a view, but after pondering it, yeah, this is more about using our intellect, yeah, using our intellect. So. Whether it's true logic, logic we know what is logic. Huh? Whether when you uh, when you consider the whole teachings, does the front contradict the back? Does the back contradict the front? Uh, but does the middle has any uh, any problem with known facts? Yeah. So logic itself, uh, if you were to spend some time to go and read about philosophy how Western philosophy started and then how it developed, you'll find 
a very interesting process where uh, I think I shared in this class before about how at some point uh, they, they take logical reasoning to be the most uh, valued such that if you can prove if you can prove that the sun don't rise from the east then the sun is wrong <laughs> yeah uh, so here the buddha says no logic itself is insufficient for you to use as a criteria to decide whether to listen to something or not to accept something or not yeah that is not good enough a reason inferential reasoning some people mistaken inferential reasoning as logic inferential reasoning is uh, a good example is what we call you know the chinese saying Ufong Bu Xilang. There's no wave without wind. Yeah. Uh, or the Western saying, no fire, uh, no, no smoke without fire. Yeah. So that's true inference. You infer through past experience, you see that when A happened, B happened. So now when B happened, you infer that A must have happened. Yeah. Uh, but the Buddha says, no, no, you cannot always simply uh, accept that as a, as a criteria as well. Yeah. Why? In fact, all these examples that I just gave, these are common adage and we use it on a daily basis. But tsunami is a gigantic wave. It has nothing to do with wind. <laughs> yeah. It is because of an earthquake. Earthquake. Today we have smoke maker. Yeah. In uh, pubs, in those uh, variety show. Yeah. They create smoke. Yeah. So there's no fire. It's a chemical process. It produces something that looks like smoke. Mm. So by reasoned cogitation, yeah. So um, using analysis, yeah. Using analysis, yeah, through reasoning. Mm. So uh, you cannot simply accept it as well. Now, very similar to logic, but in this case, is using your own reasoning, yeah your own thinking process and reasoning out. The last one becomes even more uh, trivial. You just ponder about it. Yeah? By the acceptance of a view after pondering it, you just think about it, then okay, seems to make sense, then you just accept it. No, that is not good enough also. <clears throat> the next one, the next two is about the speaker. Yeah. Last, uh, the next one, <clears throat> Seeming competence of a speaker. Uh, this is, <laughs> I don't know whether it's okay to say this uh, in a class or not, but you know, in Singapore we have something called the Armor Power. <laughs> yeah, in many corporate meetings, many of you would have experienced how uh, the same idea that you all have been sharing to the management years after years or months is always rejected. Then suddenly, an Amor come in, uh, and usually as a consultant come in, and then say exactly the same thing. Well, all the mention, mm, good idea, good idea. <laughs> this is called the Amor power. Yeah. But do you know that there's also something called the Tengnang power? Yeah. So, uh, when it comes to uh, Buddhism, sometimes there's the Tengnang power, or Asian power. Yeah. Where is a role reversal. So sometimes, um, I say this respectfully, uh, not laughing at Asians, uh, wait for the plane. 
So I say this respectfully, not trivializing or laughing at Asians or Westerners, uh, but in some Western community, uh, the same teaching ex shared by Westerners is uh, is not seen as good enough. But then West East, Eastern people, yeah, Asians, uh, just explaining the same thing, wow, it's seen as, mm, this is more authentic. Better still if you don't speak English and then need a translator. <laughs> uh, I, have, I had an experience myself. Uh, in Singapore, I am just another Asian monk, you know. But then when I, when I meet my Italian student, <sighs> so uh, for me, I don't take, I don't really like this, even though I'm actually benefiting in a way from it. So I asked my student, I said, why must you choose to come? I mean, you happen to be here to study Chinese, so for you to, to learn from me, okay. But after that, why should you still come back to, 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 you know, just to learn from me? I'm sure in Italy, there are Buddhist community for you to learn there. So, you know what he said? He said, oh, it's just different. The way you explain the Four Noble Truths and the way they explain, the feel is... I mean, a part of me want to believe that, yeah, I am that good. <laughs> but I, I, I still hesitate to, to, to believe that. Yeah. So I usually encourage people to, to really put aside all this. Yeah. And really listen and just ask yourself, if this is said by a young person, would you believe it? Mm. Yeah. Conversely, if the person is young, then you ask yourself, this person, this is said by an old monk or old nun for that matter, said by Dalai Lama, would you then believe it? Mm. <laughs> yeah. The last one. Or because you think the ascetic is our teacher. Ah. So this actually opens the Buddha himself up for, uh, for questioning also. So by saying this, he's, he's saying even his disciples don't have to accept you know, blindly what he said. Uh, in other words, his disciple is not expected to say, oh, because Buddha being our teacher says so, so it must be correct. Yeah. And that's, that's also why, I mean, this is the spirit of Buddhism. And that's why in class, not just Sifu, but as far as I know the various teachers, that, uh, variables that I know of, we, our, our concern is not so much that your, that people don't believe. Our concern is for when devotees believe too easily <laughs> or accept too easily, yeah, without, uh, without, uh, thinking through, yeah, without really questioning it, yeah. <laughs> mm. So, uh, now, so far, this portion here, there are ten altogether. And I want you to take note, uh, this 10 is often all that is being quoted. In many places, you go and search Kalama Sutta, unless they quote the whole Sutta, many times they only quote this part. And they just highlight, you see, even the Buddha say, don't have to believe in him. Yeah, But you just look at the rest of the paragraph, but when you know for yourselves, these things are unwholesome. These things are blamable. These things are censored by the wise. These things, if undertaken and practiced, lead to harm and suffering. Then you should abandon them. Uh, so the Buddha's 
uh, criteria is simply you have to consider whether something is wholesome or unwholesome, whether it's blameable or not, and whether wise people uh, will consider this to be wrong, censored by the wise. And most importantly, the last part, last but not least, uh, if undertaken and practiced, yeah, whether something would lead to harm and suffering. Yeah? Uh, so this is always the crux, which is why repeatedly uh, in classes I would share at the core of Buddhism is not the Buddha. Yeah? It's actually the Dharma. But the Dharma do not serve as an end by itself. It serves as a means to an end. The end is to end suffering. Yeah? So even here, when we talk about, okay, you hear some teachings, you must consider, does it lead to a reduction or removal of suffering? Yeah, that's the key criteria. Uh, uh, Louis? Huh? The, the next paragraph? But no, but is the truth okay? If not okay, okay, Christina? No, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Like Christina? Uh, what, what do you think, Kalamas? Thank you. Mm. Yeah. In fact, if you if you look at this, without this this section and the next few paragraph, you realize that the the meaning of the whole sutra changes quite a bit. Yeah. Not that not that it is is changing, uh, but it's that when people just quote that ten items, it actually misrepresents the whole sutra. Yeah. The Buddha didn't just say, oh, this don't have to believe, that you don't have to believe, but actually give a certain set of criteria. First, he said in brief, yeah, what is unwholesome, what is blameable, and so on. Then, you shouldn't practice it. Yeah? You should abandon it. If it leads to harm and suffering, you should abandon it. Then after that, he even go into detail. Yeah? What do you think, Kalamas, when greed, hatred, and delusion arise in a person? Is it for his welfare or harm? Yeah. Now, notice that it is a question. It is not a commandment. It is not a directive. It is not a declaration that he forced Kalamas to accept. Yeah. It's not something that he said, this is the case, you must accept. Not to the Kalamas, not to his disciples, not to us, not to anyone. Yeah. It is in the form of a question. Yeah. So, even this set, yeah, what are these? Greed, hatred, and delusion, this is what we call defilements collectively. And even then, he asked uh, the Kalamas, is it for his welfare or harm? And the Kalamas replied, for his harm, venerable sir. Yeah, two things to note. Uh, one, they address the Buddha as venerable sir. 
Yeah, uh, not as oh the His Holiness the Buddha and so on. Yeah, because in the Buddha's time, he was one of the many religious teachers. So this is the first time they meet him. There's no basis for him for them to uh, adore him or to um, uh, afford him or accord him more respect than a venerable sir. Yeah, you will notice that um, there are some other sutra or maybe towards the end, then uh, people may start to refer to him as the blessed one. Yeah, so this actually indicates how they relate to him. But more importantly, here he, they reply for his harm. Now this may seem quite obvious, yeah, especially for Buddhists. Of course, what great hatred delusion for his harm. Uh, but you must know that when I, for for me, when I read this, uh, I I feel that uh, people in the Buddha's time are reasonable generally. Yeah, are there unreasonable people? There are also. So in one of the sutta called the the simile of the water snake, yeah, water snake. Uh, basically, I think it's like a kind of eel. Yeah, no, water snake is water snake. But the Buddha uh, was having a conversation with with some was it a Brahmin or ascetic, some religious people, and then the Buddha would ask him a question. Then he avoided, and then answer. You know, talk about something else. Then the Buddha closed the, the loop and questioned him. Then he jump here, jump there, you know, siam here, siam there. Avoid the question. Then the Buddha, after a few times, call him out and say, You, when asked this, say that. When asked that, say this. You are like a water snake. Bekik <laughs> <laughs> no. Bekik Yeah. So, uh, what? It's good to read the, the sutra. Then you have a clearer picture of how the Buddha is. Yeah, it's not that the Buddha will just open up and anyhow school people, but the Buddha is give people the benefit of doubt. Yeah, uh, so from the different suttas we find, hey, very interesting. No, a lot of the people are reasonable, even when they say, uh, give a, an answer that put them in a difficult situation. They actually say the truth. Yeah, so similarly here, they actually just give a reasonable reply for his harm. In many, in some, not many lah, in some classes, some, some students will give a, like, no one, but why must it be? I'm like, oh, yeah, like that. <laughs> huh? yeah, so you can see the difference in people's response. Huh? So then from there, um, this is very crucial. Not just because they are reasonable, but it means that the conclusion that greed, hatred, and delusion arising in a person is for his help, his harm. This is not something imposed upon the kalamas. This is a question that the Buddha posed, and then using their own uh, uh, common sense in a way, huh? they, they come to the conclusion. Yeah. Greed, greed and hatred and delusion causes harm. Yeah. So next, then the Buddha asks, Kalamas, a person who is greedy, hating and deluded. Here is talking about the impact of our, delude, of our defilements. Overpowered by greed, hatred and delusion. 
his thoughts controlled by them, will destroy life, take what is not given, engage in sexual misconduct, and tell lies. What are these four? This is the first four of the five precepts. If you go through the Pali Canon, you'll find that uh, in some texts, the, there's mention of the five precepts, but in some texts, uh, the Buddha only mentioned the four, first four precepts. The first four precepts is, uh, is highlighted as harmful in nature. Yeah. In Chinese, we call it Xing Zui. Yeah. They're harmful in nature. Ben Xing the Xing. Zui er the Zui. It's okay. It happens to me many times. You all know me. In class, it's There are there are people who stayed in this town called Kalamas. No, the town is called Kesaputta. Sorry, huh? sorry. Yeah. Uh, the, they are they are they are people who was staying in India, and in India there are many different towns. One of the town is called Kesaputta. Yeah, and the the whole town they are known as. The Kalamas. Uh, oh. This one is inside, if I'm not wrong, in Anguttara Nikaya. It's 3.65. Uh, Anguttara Nikaya, 3.65. You can see it right at the end of it. Uh, oh. So, uh, yeah. His thoughts controlled by them will destroy life and so on. Yeah. Uh, this also means that if a person have defilements, uh, it doesn't mean that the person will immediately do it. But defilements, there are different degree. Yeah. If it, if you allow the defilements to fester, to grow, and take root, then to the point where you are overpowered by your defilements and your thoughts are controlled by them, uh, then you will be driven to do th things that is harmful towards others. Yeah? Namely, destroying of life, taking what is not given, engaging in sexual misconduct, and telling lies. Yeah? And not just that, he will also prompt others to do likewise. Mm. Yeah? So it's no longer about doing wrong yourself, but on top of that, yeah? in Chinese we say, uh, now, next, will that conduce to his harm and suffering for a long time? You see, the, the first part, the Buddha already asked them, is it for his welfare or harm? They already replied, for his harm. The Buddha didn't stop there. Further explain, now, if a person have greed, hatred and delusion, uh, wouldn't this then... Uh, if the person become overpowered by it and then controlled, yeah, his thoughts controlled, would it then not? It would then lead him to do all these things. 
So the Buddha, you know, paint the whole scenario, and then, then still ask them. It's so apparent, but still ask them. Would it not, yeah? Uh, will that not conduce to his harm and suffering for a long time? Yeah. And they replied, "Yes, venerable sir." Yeah. So this word "conduce," yeah, "conduce," that means uh, it is. It would be. Uh, it would lead to. Yeah, it's conducive for for the suffering to arise. Yeah. So, uh, if you recall, in the explanation from impermanence to suffering, uh, Sifu used this term, conduce. Yeah? Would that not conduce towards suffering? Yeah, has that same meaning. Huh? Uh, who is next? Uh, Biling. Ling. So this is with reference to uh, the the parts that he has mentioned earlier. Yeah, if you refer to the third paragraph in this page, but when you know for yourselves these things are unwholesome, these things are blamable, these things are censored by the wise, these things, if undertaken and practiced, lead to harm and suffering, then you should abandon them. There are some people when they discuss this sutra or they hear about this, then they say, but when you know for yourself, but different people have different standards of, yeah. Maybe you, you think that it is harmful, it is unwholesome, but some people think it's wholesome. Yeah, then how? Yeah, so the Buddha, step by step, built the case, built up the case. Yeah, up to this point, then he asked the Kalamas. So it's, uh, it's, it's, first he gave that overview. Then he built up the case. And up to that point, then asked, what do you think, Kalamas, are these things wholesome or unwholesome? Again, it's a question. He don't simply conclude, ah, this is unwholesome. But he asked them, is it wholesome or unwholesome? And they reply, unwholesome, venerable sir. Can you imagine if one or two of them then say, no, I think it's wholesome. <laughs> if you are the Buddha, how would you reply? No, no, no. If you are the Buddha and someone say, yeah, and you ask, you are one of the Kalamas, okay? Then you ask the Kalamas, are these things wholesome or unwholesome? Not, not that you ask the Buddha, that you are the Buddha. Now imagine that you are the Buddha, okay? Then you ask, what do you think is wholesome? Uh, Why do hmm. so? How how would you all reply? Imagine now if you are the <laughs> can be quite crazy, yeah. <laughs> hmm. But that is actually a good reply, yeah. Instead of us trying to like 
get them to, to, to share. Because usually when people make a certain stand, they have a certain mindset. Yeah. So get them to, to share their mindset. And from there, maybe they have certain reasonings, a very specific case also. Yeah. Uh, but get them to share, then you, we can know about what is the reasoning behind their you know, seemingly strange view. Yeah. So then, beyond that, blameable or blameless? Similarly, they replied, blameable, venerable sir, censored or praised by the wise, censored, venerable sir. Undertaken and practiced, do they lead to harm and suffering or not? Or how is it in this case? Yeah. Notice here, the Buddha then say, do they lead to harm and suffering? Yeah. So as I explained earlier, conduce means it is conducive and it can lead to. So the reply, undertaken and practice, these things lead to harm and suffering. So it appears to us in this case. Yeah. It was for this reason, Kalamas, that we said, do not go by oral traditions. Dot, dot, dot. So the dot, 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 basically, you have to go back to the third paragraph, third line, do not go by oral tradition, by lineage of teaching, by hearsay, by a collection of texts, and so on. All the way until the the end, actually. Yeah. So, uh, huh? these things. So here, if you let me let me uh, instead of just telling you, let me point to you. Huh? So if you look at the paragraph, what do you think, Kalamas? Right. Yeah. Then you are asking, are these things wholesome? Right. Yeah. So usually, um, in in uh, literal literary work, uh, in writings, uh, when we say these things, it usually refer to refer to the subject that was referenced just before this. Yeah. That means the topic that was just mentioned. Uh, so if you look at the previous paragraph, oh. Uh, uh, so these things refer to something in the previous paragraph. Yeah. So what is the thing that is referred to in the previous paragraph? The last part, uh, the last part is about how Kalamas, a person who is greedy, hating and deluded, overpowered by greed, hatred and delusion, his thoughts controlled by them will destroy life. Take what is not given. Engage in sexual misconduct and tell lies. He will also prompt others to do likewise. Will that conduce to his harm and suffering for a long time? Yes, Venerable Sir. So will that, the that refers to all this, all these things. Yeah, Having greed, hatred and delusion. And then, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, the, the answer is, yes, it's unwholesome. But I'm trying to illustrate to you, how do you know when they say, are these things... Because your question is, uh, this, what is a this thing? I, I'm showing you how you can uh, derive and understand yourself. Uh, so that next time when you read other books, and then suddenly there's a these things, uh, you, you can use the same technique to know. Otherwise, every time you read a book, these things, or then text the book. So this part, which are the these things? <laughs> I mean, I don't mind. Uh, but I, I don't mind explaining. Yeah, yeah, it's unwholesome. Yeah, but my point is, I, I'm going a long about way, 
to to teach you how to figure out yourself. Uh, about your question is, what are these things? Not whether they are unwholesome or not, Uh So, do you get it? Uh, you understand, huh? So, uh, any? Thank you. Good. Uh, so this is the opposite of the previous segment. Uh, here, the same thing. You should not accept based on the ten uh, items, but now it talk about the opposite. It talk about how you should engage in certain things. Yeah, you should engage in teachings. Yeah, if you know that they are wholesome, they are blameless, they are praised by the wise. And if undertaken and practiced, lead to welfare and happiness. Uh, this part is wholesome. Yeah? Uh, but this is just overview. Uh, then if you look at the next paragraph, then the Buddha again, uh, in the same way, build up the case. Uh, so, uh, Doreen? Thank you. Mm. So you notice that it is the same exact structure as before, uh, except that each of the items is now the opposite. Yeah. Instead of greed, hatred, and delusion, there is non-greed, non-hatred, and non-delusion. Instead of uh, instead of being overpowered and controlled by greed, hatred, and delusion, uh, this person is not. And then, because of that, this person will abstain from the destruction of life, from taking what is not given, from sexual misconduct, and from false speech. He will also prompt others to do likewise. Do what likewise? To avoid, yeah? uh, to abstain from all those things. Okay. Then, again, the question is posed now in the reverse. Will that conduce to his welfare? And happiness for a long time. Yeah. Yes, Venerable Sir. Mm. So, uh, the Buddha built up this case. Oh. Uh, Quack, would you like to. Uh, the. the... Yeah. 
Thank you. So similar to the earlier section, now having built up the case, then the Buddha do not simply conclude, but he further asks them. Yeah, yeah. So first the overview, then describing a series where they themselves uh, see that it is harmful. Yeah, that it is uh, 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 harmful or for the welfare. Yeah, so this section is about welfare and happiness. Then the Buddha asked them the same question. Are these things wholesome or unwholesome? If you look at the previous page, the second last or third last paragraph, are these things wholesome or unwholesome? You notice that it's the same question. Yeah. So he gives the Kalamas the, the, uh, their own uh, ability to think for themselves, yeah, and to reply accordingly. He don't simply like coerce them into saying this or that, yeah. And their reply, of course, is that is wholesome, that is blameless, that is praised by the wise, that undertaken and practiced lead to welfare and happiness. Yeah. Huh? Uh, actually, the Buddha is not really repeating because there are two two parts they are identical they are very similar but they are opposites of each other mm. you can see it as a if i summarize it for you for you all, then the uh, the two parts are really talking about uh, have the same structure first he make he make the statement that uh, there are 10 criteria through which one should not accept uh, something. Simply through these 10 criteria, no, that is not good enough. Then you should consider whether it's wholesome or unwholesome, yeah? whether it's blameless, whether it's censored or not, whether it is, uh, when undertaken, will lead to harm or not. So the first section, talk about harm. Talk about defilements. Yeah? And then the second section talk about welfare and happiness, talk about absence of defilements. Yeah? Uh, and in between, the first part talk about through defilements, yeah, driven by defilements, that a person would kill, steal, sexual misconduct and lie. Yeah? The second section talk about abstaining from this form. Uh, so when you read it, I know, yeah, it seems like there's repetition, and sometimes you read too much things that is similar, then it can be confusing. Yeah, but this is the structure. And why? Because the Buddha don't just jump ahead uh, or just conclude for people. He he let people understand for themselves. Yeah. So you, if you think about it, this way of teaching is very modern. Uh, but the Buddha does this two thousand five six hundred years ago. He don't simply say, okay, today I give you a class, you just memorize this. Yeah. But he actually engages 
in this case, they are not even students. Yeah, they are just someone who come to see him and ask him questions. Oh. What is greed? What is hatred? You just understand. Because people, when they ask questions, you just understand. Uh, like for you, when you teach, you always give us a lot of examples, right? And in order to understand, right? because you all don't understand. <laughs> 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 well, actually, actually. No, no, this one not Arahan yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Kalamas are not Arahans yet. Uh, very interesting point that you make. Let me help you to make it worse. <laughs> if you if you think about it, in the first sutta, Tamachaka Pavatana Sutta, the Buddha just very very simply uh, gave the teaching on four noble truths and eight full path. And like you say, didn't go into too much details. But he took seven days to go through again and again. Yeah. The first round when he gave it, Venerable Konandana immediately attained enlightenment. Yeah. And after seven days, no, no, no. no uh, some, some are very cultivated, but not all. If you look at Theragata and Terigata, the verses of the elder monks and nuns, you'll find that not all of them are so wise and cultivated. Some of them take 10 years before they attain enlightenment. Some of them take 20 years, some of them take 30 years. <laughs> ah, so don't worry. For, for those in the Buddha's time, that's what they say many, many lives ago so now you plant this seed yeah but you know why they can listen and understand because long long time ago they were like us yeah learning the teachings then by the time the buddha arrives in the world they just hear okay yeah can understand because they have heard many times so you you have you don't have to worry you have been attending classes for how many years already <laughs> huh? so by the time next life yeah, maybe I don't know whether I'm still. I think I shouldn't be around already. Uh. Uh, next, next life maybe. Yeah, wow! You hear the next teacher. Eh, immediately. Hmm. Sir, Bui Kong. Oh, okay. Understand. Wow. <laughs> Steady. No worry. Okay. Last part. Ah. Uh. Oh, actually, there's still quite a bit of part. Ah. Uh. So. Ah. Uh, do. Do. Rin. Hmm. Mm, just whole. So the Dhanodha again is the whole ex, uh, abridging of the whole section. No? Uh, please continue. Uh, noble disciple. Covetousness. Below, across, and everywhere, 
and you all asking me how to dwell pervading the entire world with the money immediately, loving kindness, trust, protect, exalted, exalted, measureless, without authority and without goodwill. Thank you. Good. So, uh, as you can see, it is really not what uh, most of the quotation would seem to be. Yeah, the Buddha didn't just say these ten things don't believe and then full stop. He goes through in much detail. Yeah, the earlier part to establish how do you know whether something is wholesome or unwholesome, blameless or blame 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 free, yeah, blameworthy or blameless. Yeah, whether it's praise or censored, whether it's uh, it leads to harm and suffering or leads to welfare and happiness. Now he goes even further and say, mm, then Kalamas, that noble disciple, noble disciple here refer to the enlightened disciple. Yeah, devoid of covetousness. This is it means a person uh, who hanker, who crave for other. Uh, other people's possession, yeah, or crave for other things, yeah, have this craving, yeah, covetousness, mm. devoid of ill will. So these two, one is about desire, the other one is about the faculty of hatred, yeah, ill will. Ill will is actually very interesting because ill will is not simply about being angry. Ill will means you have reached uh, a certain level of of uh, unhappiness and anger to the point where you hope that the person that harm happens to that person uh, that is ill will you hope that ill things happen to that person uh, so for most people we may get upset about this about that but oftentimes maybe not enough to reach the point where you wow, really don't like the person until you hope wow Hope that the person will get harmed. Huh? Mm. So this is a higher degree. Uh, unconfused. Yeah. So, the, so let me let me highlight uh, devoid of ill will. So noble disciple don't have that. Uh, don't have that kind of wanting others to be swayed, uh, <laughs> wanting to harm others. No. Unconfused. Yeah. Not confused about things. In particular, not confused about this, the, 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 the nature of all things. Yeah. Clearly comprehending. Comprehending of what? Uh, not listening comprehension. Uh, clearly comprehending of the truth. Yeah. Ever mindful. Dwells pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with loving kindness. Likewise, the second quarter, the third and the fourth. Yeah. So this is uh, also known as the Metta Bhavana. Yeah, the cultivation of loving kindness. Part of the four immeasurables, uh, as you can see below, um, the first one is uh, loving kindness, metta. Second is compassion, karuna. Third is uh, appreciative joy. But here, they, they, he used altruistic joy. I'll explain a bit what kind of joy that this is. Uh, mudita. Then the last one, equanimity, uh, upeka. No? So these four qualities, uh, the, the enlightened disciple or the noble disciple would have. Yeah? 
And the way it is uh, described here, pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with loving kindness, second quarter. Uh, so the description is, in this direction, all beings in this direction, I feel filled with loving kindness towards all of you. In this direction, anybody who is in this direction, I have loving kindness for you. And then the third quarter, the fourth quarter. Yeah. And what is loving kindness? Loving kindness has the quality of, of giving happiness. Yeah. So here when it says uh, imbued with loving kindness, it means wishing for beings in this direction, in that direction, in all directions to have happiness. Yeah. Uh, thus above, below, across and everywhere. Yeah. So uh, encompassing all, in other words. And to all as to himself. So when he, when this this disciple uh, direct towards others, it is as like, just like how he will treat himself. Yeah. So without any selfishness, in other words. Yeah. Uh, no, not not that. Oh, may you be well and happy, but for myself even weller and happier. <laughs> yeah. No, but equally. He dwells pervading the entire world with a mind imbued with loving kindness, vast, exalted, measureless, without hostility and without ill will. So the 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 last line is describing loving kindness. Yeah. That the mind is filled, imbued, yeah, filled with loving kindness. Yeah. Uh, when we practice loving kindness meditation, it is basically emulating this. Yeah, emulating this to become familiar with this uh, mental quality. Yeah, over the years I I start to appreciate one thing. If you look at all the different Buddhist practices, it is about repetition to build familiarity to build up momentum. Think about it. If if for some reason, whether in school, at work, or at home with friends. Uh, if you keep, keep encountering difficult, challenging situations for too long, and you, because of whatever reasons, uh, have to respond in, or is compelled to respond in a very aggressive way, then even after that, when those situations are over, hey, there's a momentum, you know. You, you continue to... Yeah, so when, you, when some people, when they go back home, then the, the, to the wife or to the husband or to the children, hey, why you talk so loud? But the person is not aware. Yeah, it has become a part of that momentum. Yeah, so this this is the way we are. We do something too too many times, whether good or bad, ah, it becomes second nature. So Buddhist cultivation, ah, you, I don't know how you all feel, but the Buddha, the Bodhisattvas with that wisdom, don't just say, no, you must change this. No, no, no. Knows that we have this tendency. So just get us to try out, try out. Yeah, just practice, try, try. Get used to loving others. Get used to wishing for us. Just in your mind first, ma. Uh, in your mind, that you don't lose any sense, no dollar or sense. But if you can cultivate this until you are very familiar with how it feels, uh, to, to, to have that mindset to wish for others to be well. Uh, then when you actually encounter someone 
who don't have happiness, that becomes the very natural response. If you cultivate compassion, first thing to know what is suffering, yeah, and to reflect on people's suffering. Then to then from there you see that they are suffering, compassion arises. Yeah. And then ultimately, even when people are harming you, you see that they are suffering. Yeah. That, that's how when when we really cultivate these qualities to the to the highest level, uh, you are, when you are faced with people who are harmful to you, you you don't have any uh, defensiveness or anger towards them, but you are filled with loving kindness and compassion. Next week, next week when we come back, we will continue from here. But next week, uh, the 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 yeah, I will announce later. Huh? So. Put your palms together. Yeah,